Today's message was recorded live at the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church of Louisville, Kentucky, a safe environment where people relationships become kingdom relationships. Find us online at www.friendlychurch.com. Happy Sabbath. Welcome to the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I know I, I see some new faces, some uh, faces that um, have come, and I know a lot of faces that I've known for years, so welcome here. And those of you who are watching online, welcome to the worship service live stream from the Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church here in the beautiful, historic Middletown, Kentucky. I want to start with a few questions. Is there a power greater than the power generated by the largest hydro plant in the world? Yes or no? This is the Three Gorges Dam in China, generating over 22,500 megawatts of power. What or who can compare with the hydro plant illustration? Think about the hydro plant at, and how it works with me for a while. Um, the power already exists in the flowing water of the river. The power is channeled, is captured and then channeled, and is made to create electrical current or electrical power which is invisible to the human eye, but the, the, the result, the electrical power in that current makes visible effects. In the spiritual realm, there is a power that, sadly to say, is not tapped on. It is available and it has been available since Jesus promised it to us. It has the ability to create and recreate, the ability to redeem and transform, the ability to change hearts and minds and transform lives. What spiritual power am I talking about? The Holy, the power of the Holy Spirit. And since we took a break about three weeks from this series, I was gone for one Sabbath two weeks ago. I took our youngest son, Adam, to Southern, and then last week we had the privilege to have uh, Dr. Phyllis Saman speaking to us. So we've been away from this series for about three weeks. And I want to I make a brief summary of what we learned so far with a set of questions for your convenience, and also for those who are visiting with us for the first time. Question one, what are two vitally essential understandings for the Christian life? Number one is the understanding and accepting Jesus as your personal Savior. And number two, Understanding and experiencing the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Experiencing the Holy Spirit in 
your life. And that's what this series is all about, number two. Now, speaking of that, is water baptism enough to get you into God's kingdom? What did we learn? Pastor Dennis Smith, who inspired me for this series, says this, being baptized of the water is not enough to get you into the kingdom. And here is why. Jesus says in his conversation with Nicodemus, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. John 3 verse 5. And there is a sequential importance to the baptism of the Spirit or having the baptism of the Holy Spirit into our lives just before or right before Jesus comes. See, a lot of Christians, us included, are waiting for the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in what we call the latter rain before Jesus comes. And they wait upon the latter rain on the crop. However, Ellen White writes, all who will benefit from the latter rain of the Holy Spirit must have experienced the early rain baptism of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Hmm. So, we need to be filled with the Spirit in order to recognize the latter rain and be ready for it. Very important. Now, having prayed once for the baptism of the Holy Spirit or having received the Holy Spirit into your life once, is that enough? Well, Dennis Smith again says, if we do not daily seek Him and cooperate in following where He leads us, His power will wane and our Christian experience will weaken. Apostle Paul says, And do not be drunk with the wine in which is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. And the verb filled, looking at it in the original, could be literally translated with continued to be filled with the Spirit. It is a daily spiritual discipline to us to be filled with the Spirit, and not only once a day, but as I related to you weeks ago, multiple times a day. What happens when we're filled with the Spirit? In one of the most wonderful books ever written by Ellen White, and this book is about the life of Jesus Christ, the book Desire of Ages. In this book, on page 173, she writes, When the Spirit of God takes possession of the heart, it transforms the life. What does the Spirit do in us? It transforms the life. Sinful thoughts are put away. Evil deeds are renounced. Love, humility, and peace takes the place of anger, envy, and strife. Joy takes the place of sadness, and the countenance reflects the light of heaven. 
the countenance, when, the, when we're filled with the Spirit, the countenance reflects the light of heaven. Wouldn't you want that your countenance reflect the light of heaven at home, at work, at school, at the marketplace, in the grocery store? And what exactly happens when our life is transformed by the dwelling of the Spirit in us? Jesus says it produces fruit. John 15, the first couple of verses of chapter 15 of John, Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. What is the word that appears three times in verse 2 of chapter 15 of John? What's the word? Fruit. One fruit. Singular. What fruit is Jesus talking about? We had a whole sermon about it. The fruit of the Spirit. What is the fruit of the Spirit? Galatians 5, verses 22-23. Apostle Paul says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such there is no law. And Jesus tells us that there are two positive outcomes when we bear this fruit of the Spirit. When, we, when our life produces the fruit of the Spirit, there are two positive outcomes that happens. And remember, this is Jesus talking. John 15, verse 8. He says, By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so that you will be my disciples. My friends, take note of this. When our life produces the fruit of the Spirit in our life, and Yvonne prayed for peace, for faith. If you go back, now I'm off the script as you prayed, Yvonne. If you go back to the fruit of the Spirit, it includes, right, peace. It includes patience. It includes faith. When, when, when we are filled with the Spirit, Jesus says that our life glorifies the Father. And as we give Him glory, we become His disciples. And as disciples, we radiate, we reflect, we evangelize with our presence those around us. As Ellen White says, our countenance reflects the light of heaven. When we are filled with His Spirit, there is something that makes us distinct. We are given the opportunity to witness. 
And I'm speaking from my own experience because I lived at this. I lived this experience a few days ago. Share with you at the end of my sermon. Two other things I preached about when we're filled with the Spirit. There were two separate sermons. Remember? When we are filled with the Spirit, we know Jesus. And that sermon title is, Do You Know Him? And Jesus knows us. Does He know you? Yes, when we're filled with the Spirit, we know Jesus as He really is. The true biblical Jesus. Not something we create or make to fit our lifestyle or our postmodern theology. When we are filled with His Spirit, Jesus Himself abides in us and we know Him at a deeper level, intimate level. We see Him as He truly is. The beloved disciple of Jesus, Apostle John, writes in 1 John chapter 3, verses 2 and 3, Beloved, Now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be, but we know that when He is revealed through His Spirit, that's the only way He is revealed, through His Spirit, when He is revealed, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. And how is Jesus Verse 3, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. When we are filled with his spirit, we see Jesus as he is. He is pure. Pastor Dennis Smith again, when the believer receives the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he is actually receiving Christ more fully into his life. We know Jesus, and Jesus knows us. Three weeks ago, my last sermon here, Does He Know You? We looked at the parable of the ten virgins from Matthew 25, verses 1 to 12, if you remember. And this particular parable has a tragic ending. Well, depends on how you look at it, but if you look from from the foolish virgin's perspective, this is tragic. Five out of the ten virgins, half of them, 50% of the virgins lack the extra oil. And as a result, what does the bridegroom tell them? What does he tell them? I do not know you. See, parables are lessons for real life, yet they are taught with symbols. And we decoded the parable of the three uh, of the ten virgins three weeks ago. Ten virgins represent God's people, His church. The lamp is God's word, the Bible. The bridegroom, Jesus, the Messiah, and the oil represents the baptism of 
the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you this. What did the foolish virgins lack? What did they lack? What is it that made them miss the coming of the bridegroom? Because they missed it. What did they, why did they miss it? They lacked something, right? They lacked the extra oil. The lack of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why this is important. So, here is a synopsis of what we learned so far in this series in just one sentence, long sentence. If you daily ask and receive the Holy Spirit, you produce the fruit. Your life glorifies your Father in heaven and attracts other people to Him. You will know Jesus and Jesus will know you. Wow! Isn't that awesome? Amazing! And important. Can you see the importance? I hope you do. I related earlier in this series the, uh, the story of uh, Catherine Marshall, who prayed for the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and as she practiced that spiritual discipline to be filled with the Spirit every day, one by one, every area in her life was positively affected and transformed. Now, one area that will be revolutionized as we receive the Holy Spirit is our prayer life. I entitled this mini-series within our series, Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the Spirit. Because there is a difference between praying for the sake of asking... Prayer requests, right? A lot of time we have prayer meetings and what's your prayer request? And there's a difference between being driven by needs, by prayer needs, and praying being moved by the Spirit. And by now someone may ask, why even pray? And that's what we're going to start with, this praying in the Spirit theme of this series. Why would we even pray? Oh, I forgot something. I forgot my Bluetooth earpiece. See, if I put it in my ear, I hope you can see it. Can you see it? See, I use this. It's out of battery, so it won't interfere with the sound. Don't worry about it. If you were to watch me from the distance, talking on the phone using this earpiece and not know it, that I use an earpiece, you might think that something has gone wrong with Pastor Marius. 
he is talking to himself, he is talking out loud, right? I remember when, when, uh, when this came on the market, uh, I was double-checking to see if people are healthy <laughs> or, uh, or if they're on the phone. See, if you were to watch me talking out loud in a grocery store like that, or in a car, you would say, is Pastor Marius okay? And I'm sure you probably had similar experiences. Is that person talking to himself, or is he or she talking to someone else? Now let me ask you this question. Let me ask you this question. Why would you even talk on the phone if there were no person on the other side of the line, right? No one in their right mind would do that unless you are pretending or playing with your one-year-old child, pretending having conversations on the phone. The same principle applies to your prayer life. If we pray, we believe, we pray because we believe there is a God who listens and answers our prayers, right? See, most Christians believe prayer is important, but many do not understand why prayer is necessary. Many people question and say, if God is sovereign and able to carry out His will, why do we need to pray for Him to do what He already wants and plans to do anyway? I'm, I'm, I'm giving you this question because one of my relatives who has been born and raised as Christian posed that to me. Some people reason that prayer is primarily for our benefit, but God is still going to do what He wants, whether we pray or not. The idea is popular that it's, it's a privilege to pray, but not really a necessity for God to accomplish His will on earth. Let me tell you the truth. The truth is that it is necessary for God's people to pray. Why then Jesus would tell us, pray, that God's will be done on earth as it is in heaven? The truth is, if believers do not pray, God's desire will not be achieved in this earth. Prayer is as essential to our Christian lives and the work of God on earth as breathing is to everyday, everyday living. If one refuses or is unable to breathe, to breathe, his life ceases, ends. And we see that in COVID patients, right? If one refuses to pray for himself, he will be very weak spiritually and ultimately cease to be a Christian. If believers refuse to pray for the lost, 
their efforts to win them to Jesus will be of no avail. It requires prayer to breathe spiritual life into our souls and to those who are spiritually dead. Prayer is required to sustain spiritual life and advance God's kingdom. That is why Satan wants to confuse God's people concerning prayer. He wants us, he wants to keep us from understanding the vital role prayer plays in the work of God in the saving of lost. Satan knows that if he can get the Christian to be ignorant and negligent in the area of prayer, he has little to fear concerning the spiritual growth of the Christian or his effectiveness as a laborer for God in his work on earth. Prayer, my friends, is necessary for a Christian to remain strong in the Lord. I find it very amazing that prayer, which seems so powerless and insignificant to the natural man, it is so necessary and powerful to the spiritual man. Let's go back to Genesis, to the beginning of it all. Even though Satan gained dominion over the earth through Adam's fall, God did not change his decision to work through humans to finish his will on earth. It was so complete his decision that he will work through humans for God that, that he needed to become a man to win this world back. See, at the creation of this world, God established a principle, and that principle is that humans were to forever be his means of exercising his authority and activity on earth. Prayer is necessary because from the beginning, God intended to work through, uh, through humans and not independently of them. My friend, God works through the prayers of his people. God works through your prayers, through my prayers. When God wants to do something on earth, it is necessary for his people to pray that he will do it. That's why we pray when we have evangelistic series. That's why we pray for others. And we'll talk about those things in coming up sermons. Elijah, remember Elijah. Elijah prayed for the drought and he also prayed for the rain. We are to ask God's will to be done on earth. We are to ask for our daily bread. We ought to ask that laborers be sent into the harvest field. All these things are God's will. It is necessary for the believers to pray for these things because prayer releases God's power. And not just any prayer, but persistent prayer is required in releasing God's power on earth. See, in this world that we live in, we live in the, in the microwave, with the microwave mental. And we think that, boom, we pray and 
God will do it. Sometimes we need to persistently ask God. When God desires to do something, He moves upon the heart of His children. He moves upon our hearts to pray for it. And if you and I are Christians, we ought to pray. Let me present you with this thought. I found it very amazing as I was studying for this sermon. Pastor Dennis Smith mentioned it. In the Old Testament, through the prophet Isaiah, God says in Isaiah 56 verse 7, My house shall be called a house of prayer. Right? You remember that statement? In the Old Testament days, the house of God was the temple. In the New Testament days, the temple or the building of God is God's people. You follow me? Remember, we studied this in June. God's church, God's people. God's people are the building of God. The temple of God? Apostle Paul declares that we are the temple in which the Holy Spirit dwells. So think with me for a moment. If God calls his house a house of prayer and we are his house, this is what God is saying for our times. My people shall be called a people of prayer. Wow. The question is, are you, am I, a temple of prayer? Am I, are you a man or a woman of prayer? See, in order to become a house or a temple of prayer, we must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. In order to have a consistent and spirit-directed prayer life, we must daily experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And as we learned it in my last sermon, if we do not understand and experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit, does He know you? We will not develop the kind of prayer life we must have in order to be ready for Christ's second coming. Wow. My friends, when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit of supplication. The Spirit's infilling is vital to a consistent, Spirit-empowered prayer life. I tell you this. We can be admonished over and over again to become more prayerful. We, we can promise God and ourselves time and again that we'll make changes in our life in order to become more prayerful. We can exert every ounce of our willpower to become more prayerful. Yet, if we are not experiencing Jesus living in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit, all such promises and efforts will fail to produce the desired results. 
Ellen White writes, Nothing but the baptism of the Holy Spirit can bring up the church to its right position and prepare the people of God for the fast approaching conflict. My brothers and sisters, friends of the Middletown Church, YouTube viewers, I believe we are already in what she predicted to come. She made that statement over 131 years ago. The spiritual battle we're in, it is as real as any fought on earth. The battle is between kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness. Listen to me. Yvonne prayed for it. We live in difficult, different, I don't know what qualifier to use, but special times, solemn times. Listen to me. When you are tempted to get angry or frustrated with another human being due to what's going on in the world, and I won't name it what, because there are many things, remember what, a Paul, what Apostle Paul is saying in Ephesians 6, verse 12. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness. It's not the people. It's the devil. Praying in the Spirit is just as important as clothing oneself with the whole armor of God if we want to have victory over the enemy these days. And here is the difference between praying for the sake of prayer requests and praying in the Spirit. We'll definitely talk more about and explore more about that in subsequent sermons. We pray in the Spirit when our prayers are prompted by the Holy Spirit. We are to be directed by the Spirit as to when to pray and what to pray. The Holy Spirit is to guide us in every aspect or area of our prayer life. When we are praying in the Spirit, our prayers will be empowered by the Spirit. And the only way we can pray in the Spirit is to be filled with the Spirit. And just as too much wine will affect every part of our bodies and mind, so also being filled with the Spirit affects, affects us completely, even to the point of directing our prayers how and when to pray. For this reason, in order for us to pray consistently in the Spirit, we must continually be filled with the Spirit. We must be constantly under His influence. Let me tell you my experience I had a few days ago. As I'm doing this chaplaincy training, I was told by my mentor to go visit this woman who was distraught and despaired, angered and frustrated. I'm like, okay, that sounds like a nice visit. 
I walked out of the chaplain's office, and on my way to the patient's room, I began to pray. But see, this time I prayed differently than before. Pam and I, we, we have been practicing the baptism of the Holy Spirit on a daily basis for almost two months now. In the past, I would have prayed that God will help me to apply my active listening skills or my counseling therapy skills. I would have prayed, but the prayer would have had a different approach. I would have prayed for the patient. Well, there is nothing wrong to pray that God will be with you in applying what you know to help someone. There is nothing wrong to pray for someone you don't even know before you meet them. But this time I prayed, Lord, we have, I have been praying for the baptism of the Holy Spirit in my life for a while. Lord, all I want is to empty myself of self and give me your Holy Spirit. I do not want any credit in what you're about to do. I want the Holy Spirit to fill me so that my life can produce the Spirit. My countenance can reflect the light of heaven. And Lord, by the way, I'm not going to use anything that could give me credit. I leave it all to you. I get chills as I tell you the story. It just happened. Three days ago, I entered that patient's room. And sure enough, the patient was roaming around the room like a lion at the zoo, being tired, sick and tired of being captive. This person was anxious, stressed, angry, and frustrated. And I allowed myself to only have an honest dialogue. No counseling skills, no other techniques or modalities employed, only his spirit. <sighs> oh, I wish you could have seen the change. Of course, I cannot do this, but I wish this experience had been filmed in a time-lapse mode so you could see the change in the countenance and the behavior as the Holy Spirit literally transformed the mind of this patient in front of my very eyes. In less than 30 minutes, the patient was calm, at peace, and asked, What church do you preach at? Amen. See, as hospital chaplains, we don't promote anyone's church. But if the patient asks, we can answer the question. I told her that it is at the seven, Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church. We worship on Saturday, though. The patient said, I don't care what day you worship on. I know that God sent you here. You were supposed to walk through that door this morning. You have something I need. I must come to your church when I'm released from this hospital. I gave her the name and the information. My friends, it's not even about if she's going to show up or not. But when you are filled with the Spirit, people will notice. 
When you are filled with the Spirit, your prayers will be directed by the Spirit. When you are filled with the Spirit, you and those around you will be blessed by the Spirit. I'm sharing this not because it's about Pastor Marius. It's, about the, it's not about the experiences I had. There are a lot more. Dear brothers and sisters, members or friends of Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church, and YouTube viewers, in the last few weeks you have listened and watched sermons, testimonies, and experiences about living a life filled with the Holy Spirit. There are not enough words to describe the feeling of satisfaction of this wonderful Christian experience. This is not a promotion, by the way. It is rather an invitation to my church family. If you would like to surrender your life, all of your life, your weaknesses and your strengths, to empty yourself of self, and invite the Holy Spirit to fill you, to baptize you. What does baptism mean? To immerse you, right? To immerse your life with the Holy Spirit power. Then this opportunity is for you. I invite those who would like to live a new lifestyle by the Holy Spirit to join us as we commit ourselves to Ten weeks of prayer and devotions for the Holy Spirit baptism. Here is what I am planning to lead out. We will follow the book, Ten Days of the Holy Spirit. I have it in my hand right here. Ten days of prayers and devotions for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. However... Rather than doing a chapter per day, we will do one chapter per week. If you're interested, and I'm telling you, this is only if the Spirit puts in your heart. This is not about performance. This is not about promotion. This is about the Spirit in our life. If you're interested, please sign up. There's a sign-up sheet in the foyer as you leave. Or if you're watching online, you can email me at lightyourhope at gmail.com. Light your hope. Three words in one word. Lightyourhope at gmail.com. And ask to be part of this group. The deadline for registration is September 19. And we'll probably do both in-person and Zoom meeting, probably both. The cost is $10 just to cover the book. And I pray, I really pray, that God bless, blesses Middletown Seventh-day Adventist Church with an abundant outpouring of His Spirit these days. Amen.